0: It was a good recovery there, uh, mid, mid-tune. Please take your Bibles now and turn together to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read the Ten Commandments once again this morning, and then I'm actually going to have you turn as well this morning to Matthew chapter 5, and I'll read a few verses from there. Uh, but we've begun a series of taking a look together at the Ten Commandments and for the first few weeks, we've been laying a foundation and, and considering principles uh, from the rest of Scripture we need to keep in mind to rightly understand and interpret and apply God's Word. And this morning, we spend a few more um, minutes together considering principles we need to rightly apply the Word of God, the, the law of God. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll begin to get into the text of Exodus 20, uh, considering particularly the prologue and uh, what comes before Exodus 20 as God gives his people his moral law. But I'm going to go ahead and begin reading Exodus 20, verse 1 through 17, and then I'll have you flip to Matthew 5, and I'll begin the reading there at verse 17. So please hear God's word together. And God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. That's where we'll end the reading in Exodus 20. Keep a finger there and turn forward now to Matthew's gospel, chapter 5. And I'm going to begin at verse 17. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read down through verse 30. You might also keep a finger here in Matthew 5, as I'll reference it um, several times uh, this morning. Matthew 5, verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members Than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And that's where we'll end our reading of God's word this morning. Let's stop and ask for his help and blessing. Our Father in heaven, as we have just sung, we ask that you would teach us your ways, teach us your statutes, give us understanding. Lord, we know that we need your Holy Spirit uh, to be able to learn as we open your word together. So give us your Holy Spirit, give us understanding. And Lord, show us the depth of our sin, show us the depth of your law, and show us the greatness of our Savior. The Lord jesus christ and may we rejoice in him and put our faith in him and be equipped to live for him holy lives conform to his image in this dark world now, father we pray that you would glorify your name as we hear your word now together as your people in jesus name amen psalm 119 verse 33 and following says this teach me O lord the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the paths of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life In your ways. How do you and I keep God's law? How do you and I keep the Ten Commandments? As we study God's law, as we look together at the Ten Commandments, we don't want to just know about the law. We want to be able, by God's grace and His Spirit, to live it, to keep it as the psalmist speaks of. How do we keep God's law? Well, as Psalm 119 says, we have to keep it with our whole hearts. You keep the law by delighting in it, by walking in its paths, by turning from what is worthless and seeing it as God's way of life. All of this takes understanding and instruction and learning. And so the psalmist prays, God, give me understanding. Teach me to keep God's law by his grace in Christ. To truly love him and love others as the law calls for, you have to have God's help. You have to have the Lord to uh, teach you. You have to learn and understand the law in all of its implications. Now, last week we considered together how in in one sense... On one hand, the law is quite simple. Love. Love God and love others. But today we see that it's also vast and complex. It demands obedience and love, body and soul, positive and negative in the whole of life. To keep God's law to his glory, you need to understand something of the breadth of the law. You need to let it seep into the depths of your hearts and lives. But as you do this, this will also show you the heights of Christ's perfect obedience for you. It'll show you a a bigger picture of the fullness of his perfect righteousness as the one faithful law-keeping man. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, this morning God calls you to learn his law and to seek to keep his whole law with your whole heart and the whole of life. People of God, the call from God's word to you this morning is to keep the fullness and depth of God's law in all of life. Seek to keep the fullness and depth of his law in all of life. Well, how do we do that? What do we need to understand? Uh, to be equipped to do that. What does that look like? Well, this morning I want to work through seven principles that we see in Scripture uh, to help us keep God's law as his people by his grace. And we're going to move through these rather quickly, but I want to touch on seven principles that you have to keep in mind as you come to the Ten Commandments and seek to live them by God's grace. And the first one is this. Keep track of your heart. Keep track of your heart. At the heart of keeping the law is the heart, the soul, the core of your being, the inner self that drives your mind and your affections and your will. Uh, We heard this last week. Jesus said in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, soul, and mind. God calls for both inward and outward obedience. And this is the point Jesus is making in Matthew 5, which we read. The law does not just forbid the final outward act. You break the law, actually, Jesus says, when you have anger in your heart. You've not outwardly murdered, but in your heart, the anger and the hatred... That's the opposite of love for your brother. And so you're guilty. You're breaking God's law in your heart. Uh, Jesus made the same point about adultery. Just because you have not committed the outward act does not mean you have kept God's law. Uh, The law is spiritual. It regulates the heart, the attitudes, the thoughts, your affections. And so Jesus says everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You can commit sin in the heart long before it's committed outwardly with words or with actions, even if it never is committed externally. And think about how the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, that's all about the heart. That's a very internal a spiritual commandment. And this is a big issue, one of the biggest issues Jesus had with the Pharisees. You see, they had not rejected the law, but they had reduced the law to mere outward conformity. And this long list of do's and don'ts that they had to follow in order to impress man and to impress God and and earn and maintain his favor. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 23, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. You outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so what we need to see first this morning is that keeping the law with the heart is the heart of keeping the law. Let me say that again. Keeping the law with or from the heart is the heart of keeping the law. First Samuel 16, verse 7 says, The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so this is why we'll read in, in Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now we can be clever and do the right thing outwardly and fool men. But we can't fool God because he sees what's going on inside. He sees the heart. Think about how a toddler can't fool his parents when they tell him to sit down. And he sits down and obeys outwardly, but his inward defiance is on his face. It's clear and it's visible. Well, friends, our hearts are clear and visible to God. God sees Into our hearts. He sees what is going on on the inside. Friends, how is your heart? What is going on on the inside of you? Keep the law in your heart. To keep the law, you have to keep your heart. You have to ask God to write it on your heart by his spirit. Don't be those who honor him with your lips and with your deeds outwardly but your hearts are far from him. Keep track of your heart. Well, that leads then second this morning to the second principle, and that is keep away from every evil. Keep away from every evil. To keep God's law, you have to keep from the entire range of sin in each category of the commandment. Uh, to rightly interpret and apply the commandments, we have to view them as something of an umbrella, uh, covering all types of sin in that, of that particular nature. Uh, you can see many of these principles in the larger catechism, uh, but larger catechism, answer 99, explains this. It says, under one sin, all the same kind are forbidden, together with all the causes, means, occasions, appearances, and provocations. Again, we can see this principle in Jesus' teaching on the 6th and 7th commandment in Matthew 5. Uh, do not murder includes anger in the heart and hateful speech, uh, doing any physical harm to ourselves and others, or with adultery. Certainly the final outward act, the physical al- Physical act of adultery is forbidden, but so is that which leads to it. And so Jesus says lust. But really any behavior or thought or relationship that would lead to adultery. Breaking God's design for marriage. To keep God's law, you have to keep away from the entire range of sins related to the particular sin forbidden in the commandment. One writer explains this principle this way. The Ten Commandments generally forbid the most extreme example of a particular kind of sin. Bowing down in front of an idol is the worst form of false worship. Murder is the worst form of violence and so forth. But that is, this is not intended to make us think uh, big sins are the only ones that matter Rather, it shows us that God considers every sin in that category to be as sinful as the most heinous form of that particular sin. This warns us not to commit lesser sins. Now, this can rub us the wrong way because we tend to want to get as close to the sin as we can. We tend to, in our sinful nature, see, want to see how far we can go and think, well, as long as I don't cross into the big, outward, ugly sin, I'm good. But that is foolish. That is not what God calls for in his word. We read about this in Proverbs. That is walking down the way of destruction. We, want to, we should want to stay as far from sin as possible. The son in Proverbs is warned not to go even near the way of folly, the woman of sin. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Proverbs five verse eight. He's not just saying don't, don't commit the sinful act. Don't even get close. To keep God's law, don't go near sin, regardless of how small or insignificant you may think it is. First Thessalonians five twenty two says, Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Brothers and sisters, is this how you approach uh, your life in Christ? Or do you want to get as close as you can to sin? and, And say, how far can I go? Do you act as though God's grace gives you license? Friends, if your heart is right, if you are seeking God's glory in response to his grace in this way, And seeking to avoid evil. This is evil. This is not legalism. This is wisdom and godliness. This is seeking to keep God's law in all of its depth and breadth. And so keep away from every evil. Number three, keep the flip side. Keep the flip side. Let me explain that. To keep the commandments, you have to keep both sides. Positive and negative. And so where a sin is forbidden, the corresponding and opposite duty is required, and vice versa. Where a duty is required, the corresponding and opposite sin is forbidden. Now people tend to think about the Ten Commandments as a rather negative list. They can read it and say, well, God is only concerned about telling us what we can't do. But that's really not Not true. Each commandment shows us, yes, a vice that God condemns and forbids. But it also shows us a virtue he commends. And it's a a guide. So it's a guide to a life of joy and love. Because these commands tell us what God wants us to do, but also what he wants us not to do. He shows us what love doesn't look like and what love does look like. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5 that the sixth commandment forbids murder and all that leads to it. But then he goes on and also teaches us the positive flip side requires that we be reconciled with our brother. In Matthew 4, Satan asks Jesus to fall down and worship him when he's being tempted. Of course, the first commandment forbids this. But Jesus elaborates and states the positive requirement, the the flip side of this command. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This positive is implied and required by the first commandment. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks. Paul, in Ephesians 4, verse 28, says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather... Let him labor. He states the opposite. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. You see, the command against stealing requires also the flip side, the duty of honest, hard work. And so do you see how this principle greatly expands the keeping of the law? It shows you that the law is a positive guide for life, all of life keeping you from harm and evil, but also leading you in truth and life and righteousness. And as we think about this, it can be rather intimidating and overwhelming. But that is not all bad, because you and I can so easily be tempted to think, well, this is not so hard. I can get through this week without stealing anything. I think I can even not covet as well. But have you considered the, the flip side? Have you worked hard and diligently to provide for yourself and those around you, or to provide so that you might even give some to the poor? Have you been content and thankful for what God has given you, even if you've not been particularly coveting something that belongs to your neighbor? To keep the commandment, brothers and sisters, keep the flip side. Well, the fourth principle is this keep others in mind. Keep others in mind. God not only expects you, as His people saved by His grace, to seek to keep His law, He expects you to help others keep it as well. Now, this can rub us the wrong way as well. Well, that's none of my business. I don't care what they do. They can do whatever they want. I'm responsible to God for my actions. But remember, the second table of the law is all about loving others. And one of the ways you do that is by helping them by your words, your actions, helping them to keep God's law. Yes, of course, God calls you to be primarily concerned about yourself. He calls you not to sin, but he also wants you not to provoke others to sin and to actually spur on their obedience. Take the sixth commandment again, for example. You help others to keep that by not provoking them to anger and violence, by not going around picking fights. Or the seventh commandment, you help others to keep that by not provoking lust, by the things you do, your actions, maybe the way you dress, or the the words you use, or the choices you make. The fourth commandment has this principle built into it. Um, On the seventh day, you shall not do any work, and then it goes on. You, or your son, or your daughter, or or the sojourner, and, and so on and so forth. You are required to obey, but you're also to see that others around you, especially if you're in a position of authority, others around you are able to as well. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Brothers and sisters, God calls you to keep watch over others. Care about them. Seek to spur on their love for God and others. This doesn't mean prying into their lives, looking and nitpicking, peering over their shoulders. This doesn't mean looking for the speck in your brother's eye while there is a log in your eye. But it means encouraging righteousness among those around you, providing support and accountability, doing everything in your power to help others not sin, not sharing in sin in any way, not promoting it by failing to prevent it where you are able to. And we need to do this for one another. And we need others doing this for us as well. There is no such thing as a solo Christian who doesn't need this help, who doesn't need others, who doesn't need the church. We need our fellow brothers and sisters. We need accountability, oversight, encouragement. And we need to be that for others as well. And so keep others in mind to help them keep God's law and not lead them to stumble into sin because then we are ourselves sinning. We are in this together. Well, we're making our way through, that leads us then to number five. Number five, keep your Bible open. Keep your Bible open. God has said a lot more than just the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 20. Rightly understanding and using God's law requires that we interpret Scripture with Scripture. We have to read and apply the Ten Commandments in the light of the rest of Scripture, in the context of the rest of Scripture, in light of their particular situation and setting. To understand the full implications and applications of the law, we have to see what the rest of Scripture says about this. And we've already been doing this together this morning. All the other points we've made so far have really come out of this principle. Take you shall not murder, for example, again, we've been looking at that commandment a lot. But we see in the rest of Scripture, this this commandment does not forbid all taking of life. Some Christians say that it does. But if we look at the rest of Scripture, there there are times where it may be appropriate for self-defense or for justice. Or think about the fifth commandment, honoring and obeying those in authority. We also see as we read the rest of the Bible that there are times to not obey authorities. And when they ask us to disobey, to disobey God. And so the apostles got it right in Acts chapter 5 when they said, we must obey God, not man. Or as you think about the 10th the commandment, um, think about how we are to long for heaven and long for Christ's return. Or how we may pray fervently for God to uh, give us something that we need. Uh, well, this is not a discontentment. Uh, this is not a form of covenant. Uh, but it helps to read the rest of Scripture uh, to understand that. We need to know and keep the whole of Scripture in mind as we apply God's law. Or else we can get off track. And so this means we need to read it, God's word, again and again. We need to learn it together. We need to keep our Bibles open, our hearts and our minds open to learn the scriptures, the whole counsel of God, to know how he would have us apply his law in light of his full revelation. Well, that leads us then to number six. And Number six is keep humble. Now, keep humble as you seek to keep the law of God in the way God intends you and I must keep humble. And after the first five points, I wonder if some of you are a little bit overwhelmed. And if not, in one sense, you should be. This is overwhelming. It's intimidating. It's impossible. And none of us can keep God's law, let alone keep, all the, keep track of all the depths and breadth of it. Maybe this morning you're listening and you you think to yourself, I had no idea the commandments in their application are so broad and deep and all-encompassing. Well, they were in part designed this way, to remind us of our limits, to remind us of our sin, uh, to keep us humble. Now, on the one hand, they are simple and very memorable. And I hope as you're hearing them again each morning, You're beginning to actually memorize the the text of the Ten Commandments. And remember last week, there's only ten of them. There are two great laws. There's one word that summarizes it, love. So on the one hand, it's simple and memorable, yet we've barely scratched the surface of the depth and the fullness of the whole law and its implications for us as believers. It requires the whole of life. To be lived in obedience from the heart. This is why our call to worship was what it was. In whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or 1 Corinthians 10. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. God is concerned with obedience in whatever we do. And glorifying him in whatever we do. The law requires us to keep away from every form of sin. Keeping the flip side, positive and negative. Seeking the good of our brother and sister, knowing the context of the whole of scriptures. Who can do this? Who can do this? Who can keep the law when that is what it requires? Well, if you're thinking that this morning, you are thinking exactly the right thing. That is part of the point. No one can do this. Not you, not me. And when you start to think that you can on your own, or that you can live up to the righteousness required by God, if you can do this perfectly, if you are a good person, you're not a sinner, not a lawbreaker, you are missing part of the point. We all are sinners. We all fall short of God's glory and his requirements. And remember, that is one of the main uses, the main purposes of God's holy law, to reveal our sin, to show us how we deserve justice, not God's law, not God's love, sorry. We can't keep the law to save ourselves. We can't be good enough. God's law is meant in part to keep us humble before our holy God. And so, brothers and sisters, remember to keep humble. And this will point you to the only one who could and who did keep the whole law for you. The one that you and I need. Your one hope and help and salvation. The only Savior, which is the final point this morning and the most important. And that is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The, the law is meant to, meant to make you look to Jesus and put your trust in Him alone. We need to keep humble because the fact is we cannot keep God's law in its depth and breadth and fullness, not even close. But that moves our eyes, that moves our faith to Jesus because He did. Think about that with me this morning. It's it's staggering to even contemplate. Jesus kept the Ten Commandments to their full extent. Not just the the bare outward minimum. He never had one sinful, angry thought. He never spoke one half-truth or little lie. He never had one lustful glance or thought. He never failed once to fully worship and love and obey God. He perfectly fulfilled the whole law in the whole of his earthly life. And the Bible tells us, yet he was tempted in every way. And yet he was without sin in any way, in any form. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks be to God. He did what none of you, none of us can do. And he did it perfectly and joyfully and willingly. He who created the law humbled himself to be born under the law. He humbled himself and placed himself under these strict, all encompassing requirements in order to achieve all righteousness for unrighteous sinners. And one of the reasons we've spent a whole morning on this and gone to such depth to explore the full meaning and implications of the law is so that you can better see the heights of the perfection and glory of your Savior. The extent that Jesus went to live for you so that he might give you his perfect life, so that he might lay down his life for you as a substitute, A perfect offering. And if you haven't been really tracking with anything yet this morning, this needs to be pressed down into your heart and your mind. Jesus lived perfectly for me. If your faith is in him. And you're trusting in his righteousness. He lived perfectly for me, even though he was buffeted by temptation again and again and again, and the devil assaulted him. He lived perfectly for sinners, for lawbreakers. He kept the whole law in its fullest sense so that he could cover me in his perfect righteousness. He could give me his spotless record so that God can mercifully love and save and accept me, but also still be a perfectly just God at the same time. Friends, to keep the law, you must know that you cannot keep it. You have not kept it. But Jesus can. And Jesus did for you if your faith is in him. And this is the good news that we must believe. If you cling to Jesus by faith, then his righteousness, his law-keeping is yours. It is freely credited to you. And so in faith and love, in gratitude and wonder, you keep your eyes fixed on him. And in him and through him, you seek to keep his law to his praise and his glory. And as you do that, you keep at it. You keep at it until he returns or until he calls you to glory. You keep at it for his glory, by his grace, out of love for him. And that's where I want to end this morning. As we've gone through this, I don't want you to come to the end of this time this morning and be overwhelmed or discouraged or give up or say, well, what's even the point? If your eyes are on Jesus, if he kept this for you, if he died and rose again, which he has, and if your faith is in him, then you can keep at it. You can now slowly and imperfectly begin to keep his word, slowly and imperfectly being conformed to him, loving God, loving others, keeping his law because you loved him. Because he saved you and first loved you. Because you want to be like him and glorify him. Knowing you can do all things through Christ. Knowing one day soon you will be perfected in glory with him. And you will love God and others fully forever. People of God, because Christ kept the law for you. Because he died and rose again for you. You are now freed from sin and freed to live a life for him, a life of joy and honor to God. And so do this by his grace. Keep at it for his glory with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep the fullness and depth of God's law in all of life to his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the whole counsel of God your whole word not only have you given us these 10 words but lord you have given us the word in the flesh your only son who who came to fulfill all of righteousness to do what none of us can do as sinners and then to willingly die for us so that we might have life and forgiveness and righteousness so that we might be freed from sin and death so that we might be freed from our slavery to love of self and be enabled by his grace to begin slowly living like him, being conformed to his image until we are made perfect in righteousness and glory. so, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Help us to be humble and know the depths of our sin, but also the endless heights of his righteousness and love and mercy. Lord, we do pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.